This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result... You'll always be winning with muck delivery, just like Leicester City this season. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Watching Lester Till I Die TV. Good day, good morning, good afternoon, good night, goodbye. Hello, welcome along. Uh, I know normally we have Let's Talk Leicester, but, well, we always talk Leicester. We're still going to talk Leicester, but just not have a debate show because there was no match or there's no match coming up this weekend. So instead, we're going to do 
It's two in a series of two so far, uh, so it is quite new. Uh, it is the classic match. Um, last time we did this, we discussed the 5-3 uh, against Manchester United. Tonight, we are going to be discussing the playoff final. Yes, <laughs> one of the two that we actually won, um, although I do remember the, uh, the Swindon one. But the following year, we came back for a third year on a trot. We were up against Crystal Palace. And we won it 2-1 with a famous shinned goal. But more importantly than that, I have to say, the header that set up the shinned goal. What can I say? It, it doesn't get enough publicity, that header. It was an amazing header. Uh, and I'm sure I guess this evening we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it uh, if we let him. And of course we will do. Uh, but this is LTID TV from Leicester Till I Die. Uh, thank you for joining us. Whether you're watching on YouTube in um instagram what was saying youtube linkedin or twitch um thank you for joining us do get your comments in uh keep them respectable of course and if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform we appreciate you as well we're all over the podcast wherever you are and you can see there that is exactly where we are going across the bottom uh so let us bring that up uh, a few quick hellos and then we will bring um Bring our special guest in. Hi, Fields is in. Um, oh, jolly good evening from Plymouth. My God, you're a bit close to me, uh, High Fields, down this part of the world. If I'd known that, I would have moved. Uh, but you're welcome along. How the devil are you, sir? And Nate, all the way from America. I feel like I should burst into song when I say that. Um, how the you? Uh, how the devil are you, Nate? Very well, I hope. I'm trying to um, talk. I'm trying to catch this gentleman when he's got his glasses on because I know that will annoy him. But he's taken them off again. But look, he, he, you know, he used to be a good friend of the. Well, he's still a good friend of the show. Um, but we just really haven't had much to talk about recently with him. But we have now. Let's bring him in and say hello, Julian. Hello, Julian. What's how the devil are you, sir? I'm very, uh, very good, Chris, and it's, it's nice to be back on the show. It's nice to have you back. Uh, it is very, very nice to have you back. In fact, it's so nice to have you back that um, I did a bit of research, because do you remember... <laughs> Where's this going, he says. Do you... There is a picture of you, and I can't find it, where you're actually walking out onto the start of the match. I think it's this actual match, and you yeah. look... Uh, like little boy lost, to be honest with you. you look right. like I've, I've got the picture, Chris. I've got the picture myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can't find. It. Have you had it taken down? Because I can't find it anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, you're look wearing this. You're wearing petrified. this outfit. Sorry, <laughs> I look absolutely petrified. You do. You do. You look it's like you're thinking. Yeah. Oh, I should have gone to the toilet before I came out. That's the look you've got on your face. But as I was looking for that. I did find this. Um, now, you may remember, you used to be our top totty. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. And I have to say, welcome along to all the uh, Blue Rinse Brigade that are joining us this evening. Because whenever Julian uh, is on, our demographic graphics for the uh, home counties ladies 65 years and over does go up. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, if only they were watching me. Unfortunately, they're not. Um, but welcome along. Um, if I said the classic line, and this could be the winner from Claridge, it could only come from one game, couldn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, that right at the end of the game, it, it was just like 
it was like the day the earth stood still. Everything just everyone stood and watched, and uh, you know, it was like a fantastic end to what you know. Apparently, everyone who watched the game, pundits, uh, all agreed that it was one of the best games they'd seen at mm -hmm. Wembley in a long, long time. So, you know, a fantastic game, and obviously, for us to end it that way uh, was just amazing. I mean, we'll go through the match um, itself later on because, as I say, I do believe that um, we know we need to talk about the, the setup for the goal uh, as well. You know, someone somebody doesn't really get too much credit. I have to be honest. In fact, I don't think the right person even gets the credit, do they? Uh, I, I did. Say, there was a, a book, and a, it was a, a biography, not an autobiography, by Steve Claridge, and it was. Uh, said that Steve Walsh nodded it down to him, and, and Steve was actually on the touchline, stood next to Martin uh, <laughs> because he shoot a few minutes before. So yeah, you know, despite everything, I mean, I suppose I look a bit like Steve Walsh, which might be a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not sure. Days, but... <laughs> well, you didn't look like Steve Walsh when you were walking onto the pitch. Let me just say that <laughs> so you, no, no, you no. may have changed, but uh, yes, he was. He was. He was taken off, wasn't he, towards the end, but. 27th of May 1996, we'd had um, two disastrous, um, well, not disastrous, but disappointing attempts at getting promoted. Uh, first time we were cheated by a penalty uh, by Blackburn Rovers. The second time we were cheated by a penalty for Swindon Town. So it was a case of um, third time lucky. But you, of course, joined mid-season. And it was a season, let's be honest, when... We hadn't had the best of seasons uh, at, at Leicester. We'd had a manager, a second manager, that had walked out on us. Um, Brian Little obviously had taken us up with Derby via the playoffs, and then we came straight back down. He'd he'd gone off to, uh, to to Aston Villa, which I always said I kind of understood because it was his club. And yeah. I think if a player goes as a player or as a manager to his club, I always think, yeah, fair, fair enough, fair, fair point. But Mark McGee had walked. I think it was his comments, the fact that Wolves were the bigger club or stood the better chance of uh, getting promotion. <laughs> How did that work out for you, Mark? Eh? And, uh, Martin O'Neill um, arrived um, when we were about to play his home team. And if we say it didn't go too well, I mean, in fairness, this was uh, this was before you, you, you actually signed for us. But it didn't go too well at all. Um, he signed as manager on the 21st of December. Uh, and then from the 23rd of December to the 29th of March, which is a very nice day, my birthday, I just thought I'd throw that in. You know, just if you want, if you want to make a note of it, Julian, please do. Uh, <laughs> uh, we played 13, we won three, drew five and lost five. So we all know that Martin didn't have a very good start to his career. But then... He made, well, they say one signing can change a season. Uh, I mean, Cambiasso signed for Leicester. Obviously, we remember that. Um, the other players we have signed over the years. But we signed a young lad. I think it was at Sheffield Wednesday. And please confirm this if it's wrong. On the 29th of March, you signed from Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, I did. It was a it was a really strange time for me because in, in those days the Bosman ruling hadn't started yet. I don't think, and I was I was actually at Sheffield Wednesday and I'd I'd, I'd finished my contract. But in those days, you you just went out of contract because the club could still demand a fee for you. Yeah. Uh, so I was literally playing out of contract, and David Pleat took over as manager at the beginning of the season, and I went in to see him, and you know I'd already said that I was leaving the club, I wanted to leave the club. I'd, I'd been offered a terrible contract by Trevor Francis, who 
said that was no more than a reserve player. So, you know, not great for me when, when I'd not really had that much first-team experience there. Uh, but David came in and just said, listen, let me have a look at you first and see how we go. Uh, and I actually played all the pre-season games and the first six games of the season at Wednesday. Um, and it was really strange, but it, I was sort of in then in the first team and he offered me the same contract that Trevor Francis had offered me to play in the reserves and be a backup. And I really didn't understand it. And this went on and on and on. And as we got to Christmas, and it would have been when Martin had taken over at Leicester, hmm. uh, he, he mentioned that that him and John Robertson had been to watch me in a game and they'd phoned him up and asked some questions. And I found it really strange as a player that my manager was telling me that there was interest from elsewhere whilst I was playing. I mean, if he wanted me to go, fair enough. But whilst I was actually playing uh, and this conversation cropped up a few more times in, in the next few months. And, uh, you know, and he said he'd been talking me up a bit and this, that, you know, and then, and then we were still having contract talks at Sheffield Wednesday that he wanted me to stay, but it, it, he just stuck to this, you know, contracts that I'd been offered to play yeah. in the reserves. So it was very frustrating for myself. And then again, I was like in and out of the team. Uh, I'd had a few starts and then I wouldn't play for a few weeks and then I'd have a start again. And, you know, it came, it sort of came to a head. And and I think the, the night before uh, the deadline day, I played uh, in the reserves away at uh, West Brom, I think it was. And, I, and Chris Waddle and Stevie Nickel were both in the team that night. And obviously, there was a lot of talk about people watching me, and I had a I had a decent game to be fair. And, and they were both saying, you know, if you, based on that, you know, you, you look like you, you could be okay tomorrow. Never thought anything of it, and I'd got one or two other clubs. I think Port Vale were interested, and I think there was one other that I can't quite remember. And in the morning, I got summoned to the Gaffer's office, and it was Martin was on the phone. Would you come down and have a chat? And I was like, yeah, I will do. And then as I put the phone down. David Pleat said, is there anything I can do to make you sign today? And I, I just, it really, really puzzled me. Uh, and at this point, I was that frustrated. I just thought, I really need to get away from this because I still wasn't playing regular first-team football. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, I'd, I'd been at Sheffield Wednesday for three years as a, an up-and-coming you know, young lad. But by this point, I'm 25 and still not got a lot of experience apart from, you know, games at Rotherham and the games that I'd actually played played under Pleat. So, yeah. um, you know, I went up to my dad's who lives close by to the ground. He came down with me and um, had a chat with Martin. Uh, went and had a chat with my dad in the car park. <laughs> Literally, that's how it was. Didn't have an agent. No. Uh, and went back in and, and, you know, agreed and signed the contract. So, you know, that it, it happened, you know, just like that. He, 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 well, we had, of course, had David Pleat as manager at Leicester for a while, so we know how confusing what he <laughs> used to say could be. Not, not always made the right decisions, David Pleat, did he? We he, um, <laughs> parked his car in the wrong places, um, allegedly. Uh, but <laughs> it's, where, where, which division was Sheffield Wednesday in at the time? Oh, we were in the Premier League. They, they, they'd actually done well. I think I think the start of it all for Wednesday was Ron Atkinson being the manager. He really transformed mm -hmm. the team, made some fantastic signings. But then he had the call to Villa and he'd signed Trevor Francis, who was a fantastic player. Uh, yeah. and, and it seemed like a natural progression. Trevor had managed at Birmingham, but had a bit of a fallout about with a player whose wife was having a baby. And, you know, he didn't, I don't think he managed the situation that well, got sacked. Came to mm. Wednesday as a player, did did really well in, and I think he would have been in his like 37, 38 year old and did well. And, and then it was like that progression that uh, Ron left and, and you know, Trevor stepped into his boots. And, and shortly afterwards, um, you know, I was signed from from Rotherham United uh, by Wednesday. So, and, and they were then, I remember that season was the last season of Division One. 
and Wednesday finished mm. third. It was a lot to do with you know Ron's team and the players he brought in, and and then obviously you know Trevor carried on with that. And didn't you? Have, was that was that the, the season or the season after? Work? Were you there when because they appeared in two finals, didn't they, in the same year? Uh, yes, I was. I mean, I've actually got squad shirts for that, but I was injured at the time. I'd, I'd done the metatarsal before oh. anyone else had done a metatarsal, but they were all more famous than me, and it became a thing. But uh, <laughs> I've now got a titanium screw in my left foot. But um, yeah. yeah, so I wasn't fit, but I ended up. I mean, the squads were that small in those days. There was a twenty-four man squad, and I literally got the the squad number 24 on the back of that, because that's the amount of pros that we had, you know, at the club. Um, yeah. No, I wasn't fit for both games, but, you know, went down to them both. And obviously it was, you know, quite a tough time for the club. It was, it was. Um, Paul Goodison says here, um, I don't know about this one. You might not remember me from Bradfield Comp. Yes. <laughs> Paul, send us some gossip. We'll, we'll take it. I can't, By the way, he probably will have some decent gossip as well. <laughs> and um, no fake shake here. I'll just give you a blank check, and you can write out what you want. He, he was in the same school discos that I was at. So I'll oh, just think, just think oh. What I'll tell you what, guys. Let's let's forget the classic match. Let's just talk about Bradfield Comp. <laughs> I think I think I could earn a bit of money here. Okay, right. but um, but obviously, you know, it was, I suppose it was a case really when you looked back. Sorry, I think my mind's going to all different places now. Well, it shouldn't be. Um, getting back on track. Um, I suppose even though you were stepping down a division then to come to Leicester at that time, it was a case of regular football and you know you would know where you stood uh, yeah I mean it, you know it wasn't guaranteed regular football and, and Martin was always really really cagey about you know uh, the team and what happened so when I when I spoke to him on the day I signed you know he he didn't sort of say that I'd be starting on Saturday and I, you know I had that doubt in my mind he was he was very cagey like that all the way through uh, the time I was there so but it, it was it wasn't you know what it wasn't a step down for me because I wasn't a regular in the Wednesday team so for right. me it was just a, a you know can I go and kick start my career because I'd, I'd sort of got in the team at Rotherham uh, and had a spell but then we got my first season we got relegated and got back in the team again in and out and and again you know the move to Wednesday was a no-brainer at the time as a young lad at, at, you know yeah. 20 years of age you know, what a big club. I lived just out down the road from them. So, you know, that was a no-brainer really to go and give that a whirl there. Uh, and again, that didn't really, you know, it's my hometown club and what have you. And I've got a lot of mates who are Wednesday fans, but it, it's not the best time I've had. And it was like a long period of three years, bitting and bobbing. And I really just wanted to get to a club where, you know, and you, you never can guarantee that you're on the team sheet, but where I felt I had a chance of of being on the team sheet. And, and and as I said, there'd been that many conversations between David Plea and Martin. Uh, and then that would always relate to me. It just seemed like the interest was really, really good. Um, yeah. I can't think of the Port Vale manager who I quite liked at the time because they played a good brand of football. But, you know, that never came to fruition. And there wasn't really any alternative. It was either stay at, stay at Wednesday where, it, you know, I wasn't really that happy at that time. Yeah, uh, and I had a coach there, fantastic coach, best coach I've, I think I've had in my life, Frank Barlow, and he he was like, "You've got to go, you've absolutely got to go and give this, you know, give it a whirl and, and just see where it takes you." Because he could see that you know I was not dying a death, but it, I just sort of plateaued because there, there was no progression for me left at yeah. the club. So you know, it, it was a really easy decision to make. Um, you know, like I went down, had a look around the club. Obviously, Martin 
you know, and like you said, I did think in my mind that I would be playing, you know, first yeah. team football week in, week out, and actually be a member of the first team rather than, you know, a squad member. So, mm. you know, like there, there was no decision to make in the end. It was a, it was an easy one to do and, and to sign. And did did he back you out onto the Filbert Street pitch? There was always that rumour that he did that with play so that they didn't see the stand opposite, but then he <laughs> burst out and saw the calling stand. <laughs> uh, no, do you know what? He didn't. Um, it, it really was. I mean, it was like late in the day. I think I got down there just after lunchtime. I mean, the other big news of the day, and no one had ever heard of him, it's probably one of Leicester's best ever signings, was that, you know, Muzzy Izzy had signed that day. And, uh, right. You know, yeah. so they were obviously doing a lot of business. So I went down there. Uh, went into Martin's office, had the chat, okay, you know, like I said, we came out and it was all a bit. And then I was back up to Sheffield and uh, ringing my coach, Frank Barlow, saying, can you, I forgot my boots, can you bring me boots and my shin pads? And I'll meet you, I'll meet you in Chesterfield and pick them up because I'm training tomorrow. So, um, uh, yeah, so it was all, you know, a little bit rushed. So I didn't really do any of that. I had a quick sort of, you know, tour of the stand and what have you. Yeah. But that yeah. was it. It was just yeah. really sort of getting it over the line and uh, getting down there the next day. Can I just say that Paul is a very, very, very good mate because he does say his lips are sealed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I believe I believe Paul lives in Leicester. I might be wrong, but I, I think he, he, he met and married a Leicester girl, so uh, that's yeah. why he's online tonight. Well, he's, he has said here, he said pleat out as well, so I'm guessing he's got <laughs> some Leicester. I don't know whether he's a Leicester or a Wednesday fan now, I'm confused. Yeah, yeah. Or even a Bradford fan, I, I don't I don't know. But, uh, uh, come on, you must have a price, Paul. Everybody's got a price. Come on, mate, come on. But, uh, you, you say. but So you sign, I think, on the 29th, which I say it's a, it's a great day to sign. Uh, 30th of March, you were on the pitch. Um for the uh, probably, well, it's a match that certainly uh, Martin will never forget. Um, mm. Leicester City nil, Sheffield United two, and it was one where the fans. Uh, he says, and I'm just reading his book at the moment. I think he went up to the director's box after, or the director's room afterwards, and there were some fans in there discussing. Uh, things and he actually went in and had a chat to them and I think he may be even on the pitch as well. Did you sense that feeling when you were going out? Um, uh, for me, it was. I mean, like it was terrible. I didn't play well. Uh, for one, mm. for two, it was Sheffield United. I just signed from Sheffield Wednesday. I was getting yeah. loads of abuse from the fans, obviously with the score as well. I mean, yeah, you know, I don't think we played a strong team that day. I think while she was injured, I think Simon Grayson played in midfield and. You know, it was a bit of a patchwork team, and I was coming in new as well. Uh, oh, uh, am I there? Oh, you froze then, Julian. Yeah, sorry. sorry. Uh, the pitch was horrendous. It was really bare and dry, and you know, I've always come, you know, played football, football in background, and yeah. it was really difficult. And I remember trying to play, and it not coming off. And I even remember, seriously, this is a true, a home fan shouting out, "Stop the check." So that's how good that's how, that's how good the debut was, and um, obviously well, I you just, played the whole ninety minutes. So you weren't taken off. Well, I know, I know. I mean, that would have just finished me off. I think, but I, I just, you know, I know myself. I've always been very self-critical. I knew myself. I, I, I'd not played well. The mm. team hadn't played well. You know, the fans weren't happy. So my take on afterwards is that there was a there was a bit of a. Um, uh, like a kerfuffle in the uh, in the car park. There were a lot of fans lingering around, and Martin's mm. actually gone outside and just said, 
no, you're not happy. I think he said, like, pick two or three who represent all of you and you can come into my office and we can have a chat. And Martin's quite good at stuff like that. He's got, you know, yeah. he's got that really outgoing personality. Really, really super intelligent guy. And, um, you know, he, he got these fans in and he said, you know, this is where we're at. This is what we're trying to do uh, and and stick with it. And, and I think they went out actually... You know, obviously the situation was good. I think before I got there, we'd got beaten by Wolves. Is that right? And, you know... and then, so I think we'd been beaten by everybody, to be honest. Just pluck a team out, and I think that would be... Yeah, yeah. But on that particular day, you know, it was it was a real bad day. We were, we were all down in the change rooms. I remember it really well. Obviously, the gaffer wasn't happy. Yeah. Uh, so, for, um, for me personally, I mean, it's, it's quite. you have to be quite... Well, you are quite selfish at times. You just think about your little world and I, you know, I was really, really, you know, knew I'd not played well, new club, really bad start, lost, not played well. So, you know, that was all, um, you know, like really, really negative. Um, but it, that was the point when it just seemed to galvanise everyone. And, you know, Walsh came back yeah. into the team and then Steve Carriage had problems for a few games after that, which no one knew about. And, you know, Lenny was there. I don't, I don't think Lenny played that game either, which, you know, would have been a big loss. I might be wrong, to be fair, but I know Walsh didn't play. And... No, no Len, Len, well, he says Walsh was in the team. I don't know if, how long he was on for, but uh, Neil Lennon didn't play. No. Um, yeah. He actually had three strikers on in uh, Steve Claridge, Emil Heskey and Ewan Roberts. Um, yeah. They all, well, uh, Neil, Muzzy it came on for Steve Claridge and Neil did, yeah. for, for Scott Taylor. And he, and he did well, which is why he started the next game. I think he started away at Charlton. Mm. Well, you say you say it was the catalyst, uh, and in fairness, what 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 changed? Because you then went from that, from the second of April to the fifth of May, reminiscent of the Great Escape here in the fourteen fifteen season. You played eight, you won six, you drew one, and you only lost one. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I mean, when Martin would have been watching me, I played in the middle of a back three for Wednesday most of the season, most of the times I played, and. And for that game, he or I think he changed it to a back three, which I played in the middle. And that right. maybe not to accommodate me, but maybe just the players he had available. But we went mm -hmm. away to Charlton and we were straight into a back four. And it was uh, Pooley behind us, uh, Larry at right back, myself, Walshy, and Mickey Whitlow. And I can't tell you how quickly as a back four with a keeper behind us that we really gelled so, so well. And we were we were such a hard back four to break down. And, you know, great work from the guys in front, but it was always, for me, I, I'll always remember that, you know, really well. And that that game away there, because there were Charlton who were up there, Crystal Palace yeah. who were up there, who we played in all these games that were up and coming. So it was a really tough running. And I think we played Birmingham at home at some point and Huddersfield, and they were all in the mix, you know, depending mm -hmm. on results. Uh, and, and this run was just incredible. And it started well, that one away at Charlton, you know, nicking it 1-0. We well, did. You nicked it 1-0, Claridge goal. Um yeah. And then after that, you beat Palace with yeah. you and Roberts' goal. You lost to West Brom. Um, yeah, that was really disappointing, the West Brom game. It was a really poor goal we conceded, I think, from a corner. Uh, and we, we came off like quite deflated because, you know, we'd picked it up, we'd got the two wins, and it was like, right, we're on a roll here, you know. And then, yeah. you know, we, we really... West Brom weren't that good at the time, and we should have beaten them, to be honest with you. So that was a, it was a really... That sort of did knock us back a little bit. You then managed to get a, a, a draw away at Tranmere. Yeah, and yeah. then last four games, like you said, Oldham, Huddersfield, Birmingham and Watford, um, you only conceded one goal in four. I yeah. mean, 
did, did you have an extra Weetabix after the Sheffield United game or what? Because I think you might have been an extra whiskey, Chris. You know me. Yeah. <laughs> just to sort the head out, but no, it's a funny one for me. You know, I came in and trained on the Friday, and I didn't know anybody. You know, in mm, fact, yeah. the only person I knew was uh, Colin Hill, uh, because oh, yeah. before I went to Wednesday, I trialed at Sheffield United, and he was there, and I knew him. You know, not very well at all, no. but he was the only sort of, as you look at it, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but he was the only friendly face in a crowd of twenty odd people, and it is mm. difficult. You know, you go to it was the. You know, I've gone to a new club. Uh, you know, I'm going to be a first team player, and all these players look at you. Probably none of them knew me. You know, so who the, yeah. who's this who's turned up today? So you know, it, it, it was a quite a daunting thing. But then you then you think you go to Charlton, and we've had about another day's training, and we get the win. Then I'm training, and I'm getting to know people. Um, and like I say, you know, the squad as a as a whole itself, we were a very sociable squad, which I don't think you could get away with these days, but. We were very tight in that respect, and we, you know, we we just a daft thing. We had a laugh together. We really, really got on ever so ever so well. The the mood in the camp was just like always fantastic. And um, I imagine a lot of that was down to the gaffer. Yeah, it was. It, you know, I mean, later on the season after in the Premier League, I can remember winning uh, midweek and then winning Saturday, and he'd be like, "I'll see you Wednesday," you know, and we'd be just mm. straight out. We'd be out the Saturday night. We'd be in the, I can't remember the name of the pub at Woodhouse Eve's lovely pub. We'd be in there from about half 12 and be out all day. We'd be out Monday and, you know, and, but then we'd come in Wednesday and it absolutely run the orchestrals off us. So we were like, you know, we were like, we got everything out of us. And then Thursday, Friday prep for the game and we were good to go. But that thing of being mates off the pitch mm. makes you more intent mates on the pitch and you really want to help your teammate out, it, the togetherness, I can't tell you how good it was. And we did at the time, we sort of labelled ourselves we were the best pub team in the Premier League when we did actually get promoted. But before yeah. that, in this run-up, you know, that's just exactly how it happened. And, it, it you know, it, it wouldn't happen in the modern game now. But, it wouldn't be allowed, can you imagine that? We were quite fit lads, but I think these days it's a different level. But the togetherness, mm. it really did carry us through some games. Yeah. Uh, Paul, by the way, says divorce and moved back to Sheffield. Uh, definitely a City fan since pleat out days. Both my lads are Leicester lads. Uh, and now my granddaughter is a fan too. Fantastic. Hey, he's doing well. Well Fantastic. done, Paul. Well done, Paul. Glad to see one of you has uh, done well with your life. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean... Amazing run, like I say, very, very reminiscent of, of, of the greatest gate. Uh, suddenly, we were all loving uh, Martin O'Neill. And yep. yet again, I mean, we seem to, Wembley seemed to be our second home, but Sunderland had gone up as champions. Uh, Derby County, sorry, excuse me for swearing, uh, went up a second. Palace third, Stoke fourth, Leicester fifth. And Charlton Athletic six. So um, I don't. I think we were fifth because we had well, we had a less of a goal difference. We scored mm. more goals than Charlton. But I think if I remember rightly, on the final day we were away at Watford, and we mm. were out of the top six before the games kicked off. So we were literally relying on results, and obviously we had to get the win. Uh, mm. And and again, you know, that day we were fantastic. We played at. We played well. Uh, we were really tight and hard to beat. And obviously, I think it was Muzzy got the goal, didn't he? Not? Um, against Watford, yes, he did. Yeah, yes. yeah he did. Yeah, Muzzy got the goal. Great, you know, great for him. 
Uh, I mean, I remember I was that nervous. I came out on the pitch for the second half and I actually like threw up on the pitch. I was really, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, you know, I, I think the thing is, and it's, it's going back to that picture at Wembley where I have the nerves, <laughs> but when the whistle goes, you, you, your body kicks in and you, you know, it's adrenaline yes. and it, it becomes something good. But prior to that, it, it's something not so good. So, and I literally came out of the second half and, you know, like I say, I, uh, uh, I made a bit of a mess on the pitch, but then, well, you know, we to the groove and. <laughs> Not as much of a mess as Gary Lineker in the World Cup, allegedly. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was away at Watford. Yeah. Was that actually easier, not being in front of the home crowd and the home support? I mean, there's, this, there's a conversation in football that, you know, a lot of us have, and, and it is true that the, the away days uh, are probably the better days because the fans there are all, you know, they're all the real hardcore fans, yeah. they sing, you know, you can get beat and they'll still clap you off. Whereas at home, it might be a different, you know, yeah. kettle, you know, I mean, you know, yeah. Roy King called them the prawn sandwich brigade. And, he, you know, he's probably quite yeah. right in what he said. And, you know, going back to the Premier League, when we beat Villa away from home 3-1 and we scored in the, in the last minute and we were hanging on and hanging on at 2-1. I mean, the atmosphere is just, so the away days are absolutely amazing. They're just going to back you all the way. And then, you know, we go and score the goal and the, the away end lifts off. And it, it's a massive lift for you, absolutely massive. So, um, yeah, I mean, playing away never never bothered myself personally. And it definitely didn't bother us as a team. We went away to Charlton 1-0, away to Palace 1-0, away to Watford 1-0. You know, it was a smash and grab job all the time, but we were we were pretty decent at that. And then it came to the semi-finals and we were up against Stoke. First leg... At Albert Street, uh, nil nil. Um, I don't, I can't remember it being a particularly exciting game. Again, three forwards on uh, Claridge, Heskey, and Roberts. I think Roberts was injured, wasn't he? You and Roberts was injured, yeah. yeah. Mm. I think, I think with that game, Chris, you're right. It was, um, and at that time, Emil, I, I know he was a striker, but he was actually playing like mm. left midfield, but yeah. and just because he was young and he had the energy, uh. Mm. It really was a poor game. It really was a horrible stalemate of a game. And I think they had a great chance, actually, at some point. And I think they would have been quite satisfied with the nil-nil to take back to their place. And we didn't perform well, definitely not. And I think we all knew that afterwards. I mean, I think that we were just thankful that we'd, we'd got the clean sheet and we'd got something to yeah. take, you know, to take to Stoke and, and you know, and see if we could, you know, do the magic again away from home. So, uh, yeah, it was a it was a poor performance, uh, like I say, and we knew it afterwards, but, you know, we had something to uh, to hold on to. But the back four, they're pretty much, I guess, um, automatic choices, like I say, yourself, Simon Grayson, Walshy and Mike Whitlow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't, I, I think, I can't remember the others being injured so I, I would imagine from Charlton onwards my second game I don't think the back four changed I might be wrong in that Chris I, I can't quite rem but I don't remember anyone being injured at that point and we were just we just understood each other we looked like I say the friend bit we looked after each other we covered for each other you know if any if any argy-bargy we were straight in together it, it was just like you know it's got to be you know, probably the best back four I've played in just just in that. We were we really, you know, individually, there were far better players in that league. But as yeah. a four, and, as, and then, you know, with Pooley as the absolute safety uh, valve behind us, uh, we were we were pretty, you know, invincible, if I'm honest. Yeah, and, and if you look at that graphic there, you wouldn't see it today. I mean, nine of the 11 are, are, are English flags, uh, yeah. <laughs> one Northern Irish flag. 
and Muzzy with his Turkish flag. But I mean, he was born in this country. I mean, it was pretty much uh, an England team, wasn't it? Um, but how, how, when you came off that, like I say, it wasn't a classic game. You had the, 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 the game then coming up, I think it was on the Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, straight after. Um, disappointed with the nil nil, you said, but relieved that um, you hadn't conceded. Yeah, I, I mean, I think like it wasn't, it's not disappointed with the result of the nil nil. We just knew we'd not played well. You know, we'd not really hurt him. I think we found it very difficult. They were quite solid. And it was it was a bit of a bore draw. Like I said, I think I remember them having one really good chance, um, and, and that was about it in the game. To be honest, so there was nothing for you know the neutrals yeah. to say, or even you know the, any of the fans supporting Stoke or Leicester. It was just a, a very very you know a, it, it was a, probably a typical semi final where just nobody wanted to concede anything. You didn't want to concede any ground. Yeah. You didn't want to give any chances away. Uh, so it was all a bit you know safety glass kind of thing and. And like mm. I say, it didn't, it didn't come into a good game. So we walked off and in, our, in ourselves and the gaffer, we knew we'd not performed to the level we'd been performing previously to that. Mm. But like I say, we go to Stoke and, you know, we're, we're on a level playing field and, it, and it's nil-nil. So, you know, we, we had that to take with us. At this point, um, and again, this is something that Martin admits that, that, that he got wrong, Gary Parker, who would go on, I mean, you know, he was a, a, a an integral Hog in that team and, and a great player. Martin had fallen out with him. He said he, he misjudged him. Uh, he was back in the fold. He'd come on from uh, he'd, well, he was started the game, but he was taken off for Mark Robbins in the first leg. Kept second leg, popped up when you needed him and, and got the goal. And it was 1 0. And wow, God, it's our annual trip to Wembley. Well, I don't know if this is common knowledge now you've said that, Chris, but when I sort of turned up the club, obviously Gary Parker had been, you know, a fantastic player. Mm. And it was like, and I'm like, Oof, you know, why is, it, why is he not in the team kind of thing? And, and the story goes that at a half time, Parks has like popped a cup of tea back down on a bench and it's tipped over and spilled all over the gaffer. And, burnt, oh, you know, and, and, and yeah. like burnt him a little bit. And, and maybe if it was in a heated moment, that can just sort of turn into something... Yeah, you know, no, no pun intended there. Yeah, yeah, it didn't need to. And Parks yeah. was great. I mean, one of the funniest characters I've met to play with. Uh, mm. He was just calmness personified, as we'll talk about in the final. Mm. Um, and he, he, he was just a real good, experienced uh, head to have around. You know, is that, that especially in the middle of the park when you're wanting someone to get on the ball and create some bits, which he obviously he could do. But you know, he he, he didn't really, you didn't really see him suffering with pressure or nerves no. or anything like that he was just so calm it was frightening and i don't know if you remember the goal at all i presume 46 yeah. minutes start of the second half yes absolutely cross came in and he he followed it with the, the back stick i don't know how i mean like he always struggled a little bit with his physique so i don't know how he got that far up the pitch but he, he managed <laughs> to get <laughs> the back hope he's not listening tonight but uh and he yeah, uh, yeah a little uh, outside of the right boot volley back in and you know um and again, an away day, the away end was packed. They went absolutely mentally. It was just, you know, fantastic. And uh, and again, I think I think we let them have one decent chance. But other than that, again, we were we were really quite strong. Um, and you know, one nils are never comfortable, but as comfortable no. as they are, I think we felt we were okay with them, as we were with the Palace, you know, and the Charlton and the Watford. We, even at one nil, we we still felt really strong as a team. And it was the same at Stoke for the away leg. It was. And then, of course, we get to the match itself. Um, 
you've you've got there you you, you know you've qualified um did you have a chance to, to to celebrate i mean you know we we said before didn't we the match uh that the, the playoff was on the 27th of may uh mm -hmm. the second leg had been on uh the 15th so i'm guessing were you allowed to go and celebrate or was it straight back down to the training ground? Uh, of course we celebrate. I mean, one of the things that I will remember and every one of the lads would tell you if you asked them, on the way home from any away match, I mean, we'd obviously have beers on the coach, naughty chaps yeah. that we were. And we had, and it was the time when Oasis would just, you know, absolutely smash it. And we'd yeah. be on there singing, you know, Oasis songs. And we yeah. used to go into the nightclub in, I don't know, probably not still there in Leicester. Uh, Brannigan's, which two of the lads who owned it we knew and would be straight in there and we had our own bar upstairs and mm. you know we, we, of course we celebrated straight afterwards but you know we were, despite it not sounding like we were professional we were quite professional <laughs> well but I do have a funny story well, I find it funny is that we the gaffer took us down to Bournemouth and it was like a bit of a training sort of camp break you know i mean nowadays they go to god knows where marbella and that no, don't you be dissing bournemouth mate <laughs> from me. we, we, we were in bournemouth and we were on a night out and i would have said it was probably the last night out that we were allowed before the the, the game and so it yeah it, you know it would have been i think that we played on the sun i think we didn't play on the sunday i think it probably was to be honest sunday, it's a bank holiday weekend and yeah. this might have been the wednesday or the thursday night in bournemouth and we've been out all night. We're having a great time. We're all drinking. And we, we're in this nightclub. And in the nightclub, there's all the Palace players. <laughs> and all, yeah, and they're all drinking Cokes and water. And they're looking at us. <laughs> just <walking around. laughs> you know, terrorising the dance floor, terrorising everyone in the, you know, in the nightclub. <laughs> and they're there literally sipping Coke, orange juice and water. They must have been thinking, <laughs> what the hell? I know, I know. They're looking at us like, you know, I think, this, I think we'll be all right here, boys. But yeah. um, a few of our lads knew a few of their lads, so they're a bit of intermingling, a bit of chatting. I didn't know anyone, so I, I no. away. But I always find it quite amusing that, you know, we were there in yeah. full flow and uh, they were obviously, uh, you know, behaving themselves. They, 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 yeah, they must have sat there thinking, I just, we don't need to turn up here, guys. Do you know what I mean? And <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's always stuck with me, that memory. You know, the, the look on the faces was like, <laughs> I can imagine. Was, I can you know, imagine. We were like, all right, lads, you have a beer. So, but again, oh. you know, I go back to the thing that it, the, the camaraderie, yeah. the spirit, absolutely. And even at Wembley on the day, just carried us through. There's, there's, there's a lot to be said for that, isn't there? Yes, um, there is, Chris. Yeah. And, I mean, training up until the big day, was that at Leicester as normal, or did you go away for, for training? I mean, apart from Bournemouth, obviously. Uh, no, I can't crack. I mean, we went down to Bournemouth and we trained, and I think, no, we were, we were back up there. Because I, re I remember leaving uh, Leicester, and it was like there was no one left in Leicester. Mm. It just had this really atmosphere that everyone had gone down to London and, you know, it was like, yeah. oh, there's, there were hardly any cars on the road, you know, yeah. so we went down a day or two before, uh, you know, and got in the hotel uh, and then we were just, us amongst ourselves, a few light training sessions, you know, and, you know, we didn't need to go through anything tactically, we'd, we'd been through that in the previous couple of months and, you know, we, we were fairly confident to where we were, but then, you know, it's, you know, it's a one-off game and, and anything can happen. So there is that sort of yeah. element to it. Yeah. Um, so when, when, when did you actually, so you went down the day before? I, th I can't remember exactly, Chris. If I Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Away days are great, but when you can't play away, there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Muck Delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. No. It will either be the day before or the day before that, I think. I'm just checking. Somebody just said he thinks it was the bank holiday Monday, which it could well have been. I think it was. It now now they've said that, I think it was the bank holiday Monday. Yeah. Um, what happened on the 27th of May, 1996? Uh, we're not mentioned. Bloody typical, eh? Typical. Uh, but apparently Ivan Sutton, British classical musical concert promoter, died. Obviously more important, <laughs> bless him. But, uh, but no, so where, where, where did you say? Was it um, at St George? Well, no, so it wasn't St no, George. No, 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 oh. it was one beginning with B. I can't remember the name of it. It was, it was a popular hotel, Martin. We stayed there a few times. Stayed there for the final uh, a year later. But it was a nice hotel. You're always looked after and... You know, it's special and what have you. You know, they've got nice food, nice surroundings. And, you know, like it says, as we did as a team, we were all, I think we were all quite relaxed about everything. I, I mean, the funny thing I remember is when we were actually on the coach. So you've seen that picture of me, which, you know, yeah, well, the petrified look. I remember being on the coach driving to Wembley and Steve Walsh was making jokes about how tense he felt and he was laughing. And I could barely mm. laugh because my stomach was doing absolute cartwheel. Yeah. I can't remember ever feeling so nervous before a game. And, you know, quite rightly so, because it was obviously a massive event. But he was yeah. laughing and joking about it. And I was in absolute turmoil thinking, oh. and this was like two hours before kickoff. So, uh, yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a real big day for us. But the, also, the other thing that I remember about driving to Wembley is there weren't any Palace fans there. We were literally, as the coach went in, surrounded by, you know, all these Leicester fans, which was absolutely amazing. And yeah. right up to the, they used to open the big wooden doors and the and the coach would drive through. Uh, it was just wall-to-wall Leicester fans. You could barely see a bit of Palace fan inside. And you said about, you know, the way that you felt going in. Um, they, they do say, don't they, it's the biggest game in football. Certainly. It's, it's the they say it's the, it's the most expensive game in yeah. football. You know, the, the reward of it, if you mm. get if you get up and then I suppose... The, you know, the, the downside, if you don't, which Leicester had experienced, is that, you know, you've had all that hard season, you've worked hard to get right to that, and you're on the, you know, you're on the cusp of something, and and then it doesn't happen, and, you know, the disappointment must be, you know, mm. uh, terrible. Uh, and, and it's funny, going back to it, Chris, no one really talked about the previous playoff final, so me selfishly coming to Leicester as a player, I, I'd not really thought about that little, you know, immediate history. It was more about me and, you know, getting in the team and this, that and the other. But none of the lads really spoke about the, the previous finals. So, And I don't know if that was blocking out bad memories or not wanting to talk about things that hadn't quite gone so well in the past or, or not. But it, it never was a topic of conversation, as I remember. You said, just to jump ahead, obviously a year later, you at Wembley in the final Um was it actually easier that the following year? I mean, because you said how how nervous everybody was going into that, you know, into the playoff final. Were you less nervous going into the League Cup final? 
Uh, it was a really bad day for me, Chris, if I'm honest, because we played we played Middlesbrough at home and Janino ran the show. Uh, mm. So Martin, there was all this talk about Pontus, who just got back fit as it goes, uh, who was a fantastic player, by the way. Yeah. And he, you know, he possibly might man mark him. For him to man mark him meant, you know, one of the three centre-halves missing out, which obviously uh, it turned yeah. out to be myself. But the team wasn't announced until about, it was about an hour and 15 minutes before kickoff. And that's the first I knew that I wasn't playing definitely. I sort of knew it might happen, but I'd not been told. Uh, and Jamie Lawrence was in the same boat. Uh, he played in every round. I played in every round. Uh, then we get to the final. Neither of us are in the team. Neither of us are on the bench because we only had the two outfield subs. Right. Uh, and it was just like the most, un- you know, so I'd had the real high of the playoff final. And then a year later was probably my biggest low in football. I mean, I've been relegated in football, but to get to that there, and it's a, you know, a League Cup final, uh, it was a huge, huge uh, disappointment. Yeah, I'd forgotten. I do apologise. No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And me and Jamie did what all good lads were doing. We went to the players' bar. And I think we had six pints of Guinness in about fifty minutes. And, then- <laughs> and that, that's you know, true. Coaching the lads, of course. We had to walk through. So were the changing rooms were at the time at Wembley was at the end yeah. of the pitch. Right. We had to actually walk up into the stand. The players' bar was right at the other end, and we were we were actually walking through the Leicester end, and they're all looking at us like, you know, why aren't you getting changed? And we're like, and it yeah. was quite disappointing to speak to people and say, oh, I'm not selected, this, that, and the other. And we literally got to the players' bar, had a little Guinness binge, uh, and then we uh, we walked back, and we were a little bit late. And as the national anthem's been played, me and Jamie have stood behind the goal. Uh, with, with our <laughs> arms behind backs politely and heads bowed but uh, I think we're both when you, you know, say walking back is that technically <laughs> correct we had a lot of practice we were fine but um, <laughs> yeah so you know it, it, for personally you know for myself and Jamie really disappointing but you know we went there and sat down we got to support the lads and you know eventually yeah. it turned out well with the replay at Hillsborough but uh, yeah. you know it was a tough day but going back to the the, the happier day then uh, mm. uh, and the playoff final, um, well, I mean, like you say, you know, we, we, we'd had a bit of a mixed history uh, in the playoff finals. Um, what was the general feeling around the camp? And did Martin um, sort of g you all up? I mean, was he sort of again feeling confident, exuding confidence? I don't think he actually G'd us up or he had to, but it, it, there was definitely nothing negative. There was no negative talks about... And we all knew how good Palace were. They'd been up there all season. You know, I think they just dipped out at the end, you know, for maybe getting an automatic. And, you know, we mm. played them and it was a tough game. Uh, they had a lot of good players at the time. You know, a lot of Ray out and in the team, a lot of experience. Strikers who scored lots of goals. You know, there wasn't really a weak part to the team. They were, they were a really good team. So, I think in ourselves, we were, we were confident... In what we'd done, and we, you know, we could look back on the previous. I think it was twelve games, and that includes the, you know, or maybe eleven games, and that includes the Sheffield United game. But what we'd done in that period, we were, we were quite confident ourselves. But it was tempered by the fact that, you know, we knew this Palace team was a decent team, and you know, we were going to have to be, you know, on our best, you know, to get the result. And you know, um, as it turned out, but we, we went into the game confident. There was not. There was not a worry about how good they were. It was just like, you know, it's going to be a tough game because they're a good team, but but also we're a good team and we were very together. And so, you know, we went into it in a really good frame of mind. And the, like I say, the gaff, there was no negative talk whatsoever. It was all, you know, any, but he didn't really go over the top genies up, but anything, any chat was really, really positive. And I, I, I'm, I'm guessing that Palace would have gone into that game as favourites. 
Oh God, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we'd. I think we were ninth when I joined. You know, mm. we'd got in on the last day by the skin of his teeth. I mean, we ended up fifth, but I'm sure we started off something like seventh as, as you know, Saturday on that Saturday morning. Yeah, uh, and we were relying on other results not to go. Um, so, uh, you know, and I think like Charlton, who were above us, ended up finishing sixth. You know, so they just got in mm. and obviously played Palace and. You know, so we, we we had just scraped in. Palace had been strong all season. We'd had just this late flurry of of form that had, that had got us there. Um, so yeah, they were definite favourites, absolutely, one hundred percent. And I mean, okay, you know, we, we've said that that picture of you walking out. We don't have to ask how you felt, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you can describe the feeling as you're walking out. But I was the same in every game. It was I had the mm. nerves, and, and then the whistle goes, and, and your body it, it changes and it kicks in, and the nervousness turns into adrenaline, and all of a sudden you're in match mode. And I, I never felt like that in a game. It was just the run up to the game, you know. And I, I think you know you wanted a few nice early touches, which always helped out. So you know, like I say, I walked out and I was petrified. But you know, as soon as the game kicks off, you, you're just into the groove, and you know, I, I mean, I think we, we we felt we set off quite well, and the goal was I think they had probably more of the first ten minutes ago, and. 10, the first 10 minutes, sorry, they had more of the game, but, you know, then they scored the goal and that really felt like it was against the run of play and it was a, a bit of a kick in the teeth and obviously, the, you know, the emotions going through your head is, you know, you're at Wembley, blimey, mm. we're 1-0 down already, with, you know, we need to get a goal back. So, you know, that was tough, but, you know, we, we obviously bounced back. And, and a wall of noise, I'm guessing, because it was it the Leicester end you walked out from? Yes, it was, yeah, yeah. And and I think there were, if I remember rightly, there were more Leicester fans than, than Palace fans. I think there were quite a few empty seats there. Um, mm. You know, so that that was great. And, you know, Leicester fans that had been right through the run, they were so noisy and vocal right through the game. You know, the, the, the goal didn't change anything. You know, they were still really, really behind us. And and like I say, you know, I know some of the pundits, I think it was Ron Atkinson, Kevin Keegan, they, they said it was one of the best games of football He'd seen at Wembley in recent yeah. times, and it was a cracking game of football. You know, two teams probably you know at the pinnacle of the season, and, and both performing really, really well. Yeah, um, fourteen minutes in, and the worst that could happen to, to for Leicester, we go a goal behind to, to Andy Roberts. Um, I suppose. I mean, it was quite early into the game, so I don't suppose there was too much of a panic. Yeah, you just feel disappointment. I know it's one of those things you see all the time, and it happened to me right then, where you stretch to block the ball and it goes through your legs, and and then unbelievably, mm. they talked about it a lot in the commentary. The ball actually skips off the turf, and you you know yeah. you play one of the best surfaces on the planet, flat as anything, and yeah. uh, and it, and it actually like flicked above Pooley's hand because he, he got his hand across, mm. uh, and it just it nipped up above him. So you know all that was unbelievable. I was disappointed because it had gone through my legs and. It was just like it did knock you back, you know. Like I say, you're in you're in a final, you're at Wembley, you go a goal down, you know, they're up and we're down. But again, I think that shows the strength of us as a group that we didn't mm. really let it affect us that much. And I think from not long after the goal, I think we really, really got on top of the game and started to dominate it. And they only had small spells, whereas we had, you know, really good periods of play. And I think it's what, like you said, Ron Atkinson. I was watching it. <laughs> I've watched it one or two times over the years. <laughs> I'm lie. And Ron Atkinson, who was doing the co-commentary, said that you know he, he said that he didn't think Kevin Paul would have believed how the ball could have bounced no. at, a, 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 on a pitch like Wembley. No, no, and I, I, I've, I've heard that commentary myself. And like you say, it was just 
it was a bad moment for us. And uh, like I say, you know, they'd, they'd come out really quick. You know, they obviously fancied the chances. They were the favourites, like we've just discussed. But and then to go and get that early goal, it really got their tails up. And you know, it was a setback to us. But again, I go back to the team spirit, the credit that. It, we didn't get our heads down. It didn't really change anything. The game plan didn't change. We didn't change. And we just, you know, we got back to, you know, what we were good at and, and got back into the game. And a half-time, uh, I, I guess, was was there, was there any hair-dry treatment from Martin or what, what was... Not Martin at all, no. I think, I think he would have known that, you know, that wasn't the right way, you know, to go about things. It was more about lifting us and it was talking about the good bits and how well we were playing and how we were creating the chances. So... Now, it was a very positive half-time and, and it needed to be. You know, you couldn't really come in and, you know, no. point fingers anywhere. Or, I mean, and we were all performing, I thought, on the day. We all performed, yeah. you know, yeah. to, to a good level. So, there was nothing to be negative about and it was just positive chat and let's get back out there and, you know, let's push and try and get that next goal. Indeed. And uh, I would like to say, yes, you know, we, you know we, all right, one nil down, but, you know, it, it could have gone either way that first half. I don't think, you know, we were outplayed at, at all. But second half comes out, uh, a lovely ball from Walsh over the top uh, down to uh, to Muzzy, is it, who cuts it, well, cuts inside to get the ball taken down. And, and for once, we get a penalty at Wembley. And uh, Gary Parker standing up. And in fairness to Nigel Martin, he actually got a hand to it. It did, you know. I mean, the 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 challenge for the penalty was one that I don't think I can't remember his name now, but I, I don't think he'd make it again. It, it was a very rash in that situation at that pace of the way the ball and Muzzy was travelling, a really rash challenge. And maybe mm. maybe that's the moment that you know it's a it's a different environment. It's a final that makes you you know sort of do stuff like that. But uh, yeah, Park stepped up and I think it was Edgeworthy, was it? Yes, that's it. You're right. Yeah. 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 It was a very, you know, you look back at that and think, mm, you, you wouldn't have made that challenge really. Um yeah. Park stepped up. Martin did get there, but it was such a good penalty. Such a good mm. penalty with a lot of pace on it, right in the side netting. So he would have done very, very well to save it. So and and again, you know, we talk about Gary Parker coming back into the team and I wouldn't have wanted anyone else on that penalty. You know, he just exuded confidence. He goes and picks the ball up and you feel like, you know, he's going to bury this and he did. I was going to say, because again, Ron Atkinson said you wouldn't want anybody else, like no, you said, picking yeah. that ball up. Was, yeah. he, was he designated penalty taker? I, I'm Yes, I'm sure he was. I'm sure mm. he was. I mean, I think the, the whole, you know, thing of him coming out of the team, the fallout and getting back out of the team, and, and I can't remember who else. I don't know if we had any other penalties while I was there, so... No. Uh, I wouldn't have known, but I mean, he just stepped up and, and picked the ball up. And, um, you know, I think everyone else in the team was quite happy that he did that. <laughs> yeah, nobody was fighting for it, I'm guessing. It's a massive moment, and, he, and he, he just had the composure, uh, you know, and the mentality to deal with it. And, I, you know, hats off to him because uh, yeah, I would have mm. hated it to be me. And I've got to say, uh, in fairness to Gary Parker, um, I've never spoken to him, but. His penalty, his penalty kicks are better than his celebrations. I well, mean, yeah. that was that was a slide that didn't go anywhere that he attempted afterwards. I think I think the turf was a bit drier than it is nowadays. So uh, yeah, <laughs> he misjudged that one. <laughs> just a bit, just a bit. It was quite, but I mean, it did give everybody else a chance to, uh, to 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 get up. I mean. When that penalty was being taken, were you up at that end, or were you having to stay? No, no, no. It's a funny thing now. You see, you know, you see when in the Premier League now, you're watching on TV, you see the, you know, striker scores and all the team are up there. Sometimes the keeper as well. But I mean, 
yeah. think I was I was more concerned concerned about my energy levels. So I would stay, I would stay <laughs> on the halfway line and, and pat them on the back as they walk past me and then get back into position. So uh, I would no, say I you didn't back. you didn't run up and jump on him like no, 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 no. in the back and uh, just a little a little hand clap, a little golf clap, and uh, that was all the energy I wanted to expend at that moment in time. Well, good job you didn't expend too much energy because the, the, the full-time whistle went and it was into to, to extra time. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you don't get to go back to the changing rooms, but you do get the the, the little break on the pitch. Um, again, at that point, uh, I suppose, if anything, we were in the ascendancy then because we, we'd pulled it back and they must have been obviously disappointed. Uh, although these days you wouldn't say 76 minutes is late, but it is, I suppose... In yeah. the great scheme of things, again, you know, what was Martin's um, uh, team talk? What was the attitude? You know, the, well, the... again, it was super positive. I mean, I, I don't mm. know if it was one nil at the time, but I know George and Dark cut inside me and put one in the top bin, and and Pooley pulled off a worldy save. And I think yeah, you know, yeah. they looked at that, and if yeah. that had gone in, you know, that'd have been game over. But Pooley pulls us out of the bag yet again. That was an amazing save. Yeah, right? it was. He did he did that on more than one occasion, and mm. um, you know, fantastic keeper. So there, there was that moment there. Then the you know, obviously then they concede, and we were and you know the ascendancy is the right word. We were massively up at that time. We were feeling really good about the game. I think we'd had not dominated possession, but I think we'd really had more more of the ball than than Palace had, um, and I think we just we we felt really good. And I think after that Undar. Uh, effort. I, I don't particularly remember him having any many, you know, clear cut, clear cut chances. So no, no. We, we felt comfortable. We felt on top. We, you know, we knew we were well in this game and, and that we had every chance. Um, and you know, uh, and that's how we went out. And then, like I say, Martin, John, Robbo, Paul, Franklin, all the guys in there, Steve Walford, all just massive. You know, come on, we can do this. And it, it was just again, it was just really positive. And we, we were positive at the time that you know, like I say, that's how we were as a group. Okay, and we we come to the, uh, the the end of the uh, extra time, and everybody's thinking penalties. Um, I mean, Steve Walsh goes off. Colin Hill comes on. I don't know whether Colin Hill's a better penalty taker than Walshy. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Mark Robbins comes on for Scott uh, Stewart. Uh, sorry, Scott Taylor. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Mark Robbins, obviously, you you would hope would be a better penalty taker because he's a striker. As yeah. a defender, are you sat there thinking? Shit! If this goes to penalties, I might have to take one. Or you know, were you? Would you have been one of those that volunteered, or would you have waited? Uh, no, 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 Chris. I've I've got a little story for you. So the the first ever FA Cup tie that went to penalties was Rotherham United against Scunthorpe, I think. Uh, and I played in that game, and it went to penalties. And my legs, I was just shaking so badly, and I was literally the only outfield player that didn't take a penalty. And Ali Pickering thankfully went before me because they were asking me if I wanted to take one and I really didn't fancy it and, and Ali put his hand up he was the right back and they'd miss one because it was at sudden death and he scored it and it was like the most relief I've ever felt <laughs> in, in, in a, until the point when, when Claridge scored that was even bigger relief but uh, it's, a, it's a horrific feeling and I, I credit anyone who puts their hands up to take a penalty and that was just you know it was a two League One teams playing each other in third round at FA Cup at Millmore, you know, and, I, and I, yeah. honestly, the, I'd have been about 18 or 19 at the time. I, I felt horrendous pressure and I really didn't fancy it. So the, the thought of doing that at Wembley in front of 73,000 would have uh, would have not been a good moment, I don't think. Of course, the question that I have to ask is, did you ever take any penalties? 
<laughs> I, I wanted, we, we were at Luton playing Fulham in an FA Cup tie. We had to practice penalties. And the only one I scored, it hit the post, hit the keeper on the back of the head and went in. <laughs> and they all count. Yeah, so I don't think that was my forte, if I'm honest. Yeah. But I guess when you look at penalties, and it's always a contentious matter about, you know, why isn't he taking the penalty? We all remember Gareth Southgate for England. Yeah. Why is a defender taking the penalty? Yeah. I suppose whether you're a striker or whether you are a midfielder, defender, whatever. And we've even seen goalkeepers, you know, when, when, it, when it goes to sudden death, uh, Man United, Seville, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but you, I suppose it is more down to the position, you, or sorry, less down to the position you play. And as you said, how you feel about taking one? Absolutely. And going to the keepers, I was at Molyneux with Wednesday when Kevin Pressman rifled one into the top corner and nearly broke the stanchion. One of the best penalties you've ever seen, and particularly by a goalkeeper. But um, no, it is. It's your mindset. You know, you either think, yeah, I can do this, and or, or you know, nerves get the better of you. Now, I'm definitely hold my hand up to that. And that's why I just say, you know, I, if anyone take whatever penalty they take, you know, I know that situation and it, it's uh, it's definitely not nice. So no, no. fair play to the lads who do. You know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big pressure moment. And, and as the game gets bigger and the money gets bigger, you know, the pressure's more and more. So, yes. you know, the, these guys are the rock-solid mentality. It's unbelievable. Can I just say, the only penalty I have ever taken was for the W8 Smith-Lester B team versus the W.H. Smith Leicester A team, believe it or not, in the final of a um, sports day that we were holding. And uh, it was only a five-a-side net and um, and I blasted it over. So, yeah, you have my total sympathy with that. Not different, different, uh, different times, as they say. But uh, while she goes off um, quite late in the game, um, surprised to see him go off? Uh, he was struggling. It was, I think it was, fitness and injury that you know uh, and it was the best thing for him to get a pair of fresh legs on he was struggling at the time you know he, he'd had a lot of injuries that season he was injured when I yeah. turned it, like I say he'd, I'm sure he didn't play the United game and he was coming back he'd got real problems with his knees and you know sometimes I never knew how he, he kept on playing and playing but he, mm. you know he did and that's you know a credit to Steve um, the determination that he had to you know to put himself on there you know week in week out when he was uh Probably not hundred percent, and you know, an absolute warrior on the pitch. Great guy to play play next to as well. Um, that, that, uh, that probably wasn't the biggest. I mean, just before that, on one hundred and one minutes, I think uh, Mark Robbins had come on for for Scott Taylor. I guess was that tactical? Uh, that's something I've never asked, never knew mm -hmm. about, and you would think maybe a fresh legs that could do a job in Scottish position, but you know. Martin's probably thinking penalties at the time when he does something like that. You know, mm. Robbo at the end of the day was a goal scorer, you know, an absolute, yeah. uh, you know, that's just what he did. He got on the end of things and he put the ball away very tightly and you would have fancied him to put his hand up and go and take a good penalty. So I would yeah. imagine that was, you know, the thought process behind that. Well, those two, those two substitutions, you could probably, yes, you could understand uh, those two. Um, you had no, I think I've, we have spoken about this before. I, I know we have. And you, you had absolutely no idea that no. this was going to happen. And I've got to say, we've spoken about Kevin Paul a couple of times, and I've got on my notes here, um, underrated as a keeper yeah. for my, in my... Massively. Yeah, massively. Pooley, we called him the cat. I mean, he was slightly shorter in, in height than, than most, you know, keepers or what you would expect to keep as height, but... 
he was one of one of the most agile keepers I've ever played with. He's got me out of the poop many a time. You know, <laughs> you loved having him behind you. He was a lovely lad. And again, you know, I talked about the back four, but he was the, you know, the, the safety valve behind mm. it. And he, he was amazing. And I can remember, you know, I can see the, you know, watching the, the final back, he was crestfallen when he was taken off and really disappointed for the lad, to be honest on that. Like I say, such a nice lad. He kept us in the game with the, the Undar save. Oh, um, that was, I mean, that save. There's a lot of keepers, but you know, in, in the Premier League that wouldn't make that save today. No. So, uh, but no. that was his agility, great on his feet and his hands and what have you. And, you know, the thing was that we'd, we'd, we'd done a lot of penalties in training and Zelko was fantastic. One daunting size, you know, and it, yeah. it just filled the goal. And he did save penalties really, really well in training. And the gaffers obviously calculated that. And it's a massive call. You know, if oh. it goes to penalties and he doesn't perform as well as you think he might do, straight mm. away it's like, you know, why did you do that? Uh, obviously, it never got that far, but, you know, it was, like I say, a tough, tough call and probably got to be one of the biggest substitute calls you've ever seen to to do that at that point in such a, like we say, one of the, you know, the most expensive games on the calendar, you know, in the world football. So it, it was a real, real big call, but... It, it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if we hadn't got the free kick mm. and we hadn't got time to make the substitution. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah. He was six foot seven, I think he was, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Like, I, know, I know in his house he had the doors made bigger. <laughs> yeah, he had tradesmen come in and made the doors made bigger. So cause I know Muzzy bought the house off him further down the line. And right. he was like both going through these doors into his lounge and what have you said. Game of Thrones yeah, opening yeah. the music. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was, it was a big, big call, and and yeah. you know, I think you'll probably say now that on the commentary, they actually felt it sort of stunned the Palace players. They sort of like, you know, what, what's going off here, kind of thing. Yes, yeah, and, and I mean, again, Ron, well, well, again, keep going back to Ron Atkinson, but he was the guy that was doing, the, you know, the co-commentary, and you know, it said to him that he said Kevin Paul always struck him as a as a good stopper. Yeah. Uh, and reaction. I think his words were reaction keeper. Yeah. Uh, but it may, you know, I think it, I think his words were uh, may, maybe you know he sees Zelko as filling the goal more, which is exactly yeah. what 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 you've said there. Yeah, and we yeah, joke, yeah. look, we joke about uh, uh, Zelko, and I, was, I do remember one game. Um, I think we, were, I think it might have been Bolton, and we we lost, conceded two goals because he was doing, you know, it was like Dracula. He didn't come out for crosses. <laughs> But he went on. He went on to play for AC Milan and uh, yeah. won tons over there. So fair play to the guy. Um, now he said allegedly to Mark, well, Martin O'Neill said that he said, "Don't worry, boss, I'll win it for you." He did. Comes he was on. A very loud character. Yeah. Very big, big personality, Zelko. But that confidence again. That's what you want. Yeah. You know what somebody coming yeah. on saying, "Like, are you sure you want to put me on, boss?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I say, he was a larger than life, not just in his, you know, physicality size, but he was a very bubbly, loud character in the changing room, uh, always positive, always quite funny. And he would have, he, he did say that, and, and he would have gone on there absolutely 100% believing that, you know. Yes. And at the end of the day for him, I suppose, it's uh, he's in a no-lose situation. Keepers are always on the, you know, on the back foot kind of thing. So, mm. uh, you know, it, it was his to either gain the glory or, you know, if not, Palace scored a few good penalties, but uh, yeah, you say it never got to that, and you know, it changed around in an instant. Paul's asking here, and I think you kind of touched on it. How was Kevin Paul feeling after being subbed? I guess he understood he's professional, uh, he, he did. And I think if you watch the video, it, you can sort of see his 
I think crestfallen's a good word. He, yeah. he just looked a bit nonplussed, a bit like, you know, I've just played 119 minutes mm-hmm. or whatever it is. You know, I've pulled us out. I've had a great season. We, well, he did when I was there, you know, when it, certainly yeah. when he was behind me for those last games on the running, he was absolutely amazing. And, and you know, to get subbed at that that final, final moment, you know, I'm I'm, I'm not sure what he thought. He didn't time. look angry at all, in fairness. No, he, he wouldn't, have, wouldn't have done. He was such yeah. a nice lad, such yeah. a lovely, lovely bloke. Uh, he, he wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't have let his emotions spill over. But I would have thought he would... I would have thought he hid it well, and I thought the disappointment the disappointment would have been like epic, you know. A little bit of relief as well that he sat down thinking, "Well, if they lose this now, it's not my fault." (laughs) (laughs) I think I was hoping to get subbed at the same time. (laughs) Well, thankfully you weren't, um, because I could say that sub uh, that and sort of Colin Hill coming on at the same time. Yeah, happened when I think it was was it Steve Claridge that was bundled over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. and uh, and the, the free kick came in from the well. We've, we've mentioned him enough. Gary Gary Parker took the free kick. Um, I believe it was all the way over to the far side of the box where uh, there was a little Julian Watts standing who raised above and uh, and and got the nod back into the uh, into the box. Something that you've been practicing on the training field? <laughs> uh, definitely not. It was just right place at the right time, and I think quite interesting that Steve had been bundled over and he actually wasn't in any decent position as the yeah. ball was coming towards himself. And that's why he, he sort of just ambled into this big pocket of space as, as the ball bounced down to him. I've been I've been asked quite a few times if I actually did head the ball, but sadly, sadly enough, I've actually slow-moed it. And you can see that we're both, quite, we're both absolutely knackered. I think it's George mm. and Dar. We're both absolutely out on our feet. And we, we, we go up and it's like the laziest leap of all time. And we sort of head it together and you can see this like counter spin where we've we've both sort of met it at the same time. So so I am going to take some credit for that. Even I though, say, don't, don't, <laughs> that's what I'm leading up to. Uh, but assists weren't a thing in those days, which is really, really unfortunate. But um, yeah. yeah, but, it, you know, it, it just landed down perfect for Steve. And, you know, like I say, he hit it. And I think everyone on the pitch just froze and watched it. And I know... Yeah. Definitely, Nigel Martin was so wrong-footed. Oh, you can uh, see that. You can see his body like going wrong way. Yeah, he's, he's a statue, yeah. and, he, and he just mm. watches it, you know, go in and, and not particularly at any great pace. No, and of course, the classic line of "This could be the winner for Leicester City." It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and I remember the celebrations. I've seen those a few times, obviously. And, I just remember being absolutely knackered and like no energy left, legs gone, lungs, you know, caving in. And I, yeah. I thought to myself, I thought there was about five minutes left and I was really panicking about, you know, how well I was going to last this last five minutes. Yeah. And it turns out there was about five seconds left. Seconds. So we, we, we were all okay in the end. You were up at the right end of the pitch, but the sp- I've never seen Stevie Clavage run as fast as he did when he oh, celebrated no, no. that oh, goal. No. Could no. you catch him? I eventually did, but uh, only because he got rugby tackled and uh, <laughs> it was the quickest turn of pace he ever made all season. But yeah. he, he, he was grabbed hold of by someone slightly quicker and we all, we all jumped on him. And uh, it was just like, it was a, a like a euphoric feeling. You know, it was, you know, the, you thought about the run-up to the game, you know, the games we'd played, get to get there, you know, going one down in the final, digging ourselves and getting back in and then and then scoring that. It was just, you know... 
best day in football for me ever. Obviously, you know, I've not not surpassed that at all. It was it was just an amazing, amazing feeling. And then, like I say, you switch back into Blimey, we've got to see this game out. But then, you know, mm-hmm. it, it virtually lasted a few seconds, and the whistle went, which was like the biggest relief of my career. I was going to say it was virtually from kickoff, <laughs> wasn't it? And it, and and the whistle blew. Uh, yeah. And I mean, the pictures. I'm trying to see whereabouts you are. I couldn't. Know. Oh yeah, you're there. Uh, you've got your arm around somebody in white on the back row. Uh, I can't. I mean, I, I, the first person I sort of got to was Neil Lennon, who was just collapsed on the floor. Yes. We had a little bit of a, you know, a, a man hug and all that kind of stuff. And then we walked around. And I, I've got to be honest, I did, you know, you felt for the Palace players. It was, mm. you know, it was quite a warm day. It was extra time. And, you know, they just got beat. Uh, and, you know, it was tough for them but at the same time you know we were in, we were obviously in party mode and what a great achievement and particularly for yeah. myself one of the sort of side thing was that before I signed for Wednesday I went on trial to United and Dave Bassett was the manager and uh, obviously uh, he didn't sign me gave me some yeah. nonsense about I was okay but not as good as what he'd got I went and signed for Wednesday but on that I think on the run up to the to the final I think it was in the Leicester Mercury where they'd asked him to comment on the players and he sort of said he had the chance to sign me, but chose not to. And I, I just thought that was a bit of good karma for myself, if I'm honest. So. No, well, that's yeah, the way to do it, isn't it? Yeah. So, you uh, know, I mean, winning the match, yeah, winning the matches is always going to be great, but winning it in that way, the last minute of extra time. Um, with a shin, and he's, he's now denying that it was a shin, I think. Yeah, he's, he's, but, yeah, uh, but look, we know you, you can see he, he doesn't hit it cleanly, let's just say that. But who cares? Who cares? Um, it, it I mean, and, and like you say, Nigel Martin was completely win. But as as a Palace fat player, you know that you're not going to come back from that, you know, there's no way. Uh, and poor old Zelko never got to touch the ball. I know, I know. I mean, as Palace players, the dejection you must have felt at that moment. You know, mm. I mean, everyone on the pitch and, you know, on the sidelines and the crowd would, would have been thinking, you know, this is it's got penalties written all over it. I don't think yeah. there was much clear-cut stuff, you know, in, in, in the extra time for one team to go and win it, if I'm honest. I can't really remember anything like that. But so, you know, I think we were all in that moment of, you know, this is where this game's going. And then to have that, it, it must have really knocked the stuff out. And even if there had been five minutes to play, you know, how did they pick themselves up from that? It would have yeah. been a desperation sort of thing. But, uh, you know, like I say, great for us. And the relief I felt when the whistle went and the celebrations afterwards were, were pretty legendary, to be honest. So. And Well, I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> and, I mean, I've seen one of you in a bath. Well, I think it's one of your profile pictures of you with a bottle of champagne in a bath. It's not that game because you've got a white no. shirt. Tom, no, yeah. no, that was the that was the semi-final at uh oh, Wimbledon. Ellis Park, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes. I mean that was an absolute battle of a game. Do, uh, do you think that, for example, here at Wembley, you're saying your your legs were gone, your lungs were gone. Uh it's a huge pitch, isn't it, Wembley? It's a huge pitch, and it was always renowned for being, you know, having a lot of giving it. So that saps mm. your energy as well. And that's what, you know, yeah, you always put longer studs in at Wembley because of the give it had, you know, to have the right grip and you know, it just sort of sapped your energy into it. And it, like I say, it was a warm day. Uh, and we, you know, we, we we did the 90 minutes and we did, you know, and then there's all the mental sort of energy that you're, you're expanding and, and stuff like that. So, you know, it was, a, it was a tough day and, you know, we'd been on, you know, the pitch for, for all that time in the heat. So, you know, it, it was bound to take, you know, that out of you. So, um, yeah, you know, to get through it, it's, you know, it's something I'll, I'll always look back on with a lot of pride. 
And Scott, just quickly, Scott does ask about penalties. What watch it back, Scott? We did talk about Julian and penalties uh, <laughs> earlier in the show. I'm not going to put him through that that again. Uh, but he said, was there a point when you thought this is as? I mean, when when we when you when we got the equaliser from the penalty, was that? Did you then think, well, we can go on and win this, or was there some other point you thought this is our game? I, I thought after we equalised, we'd go on and win it. You know, so we were really, yeah, uh, we were on the up. We were more confident. We had more of the ball. I think we looked the most likely, you know, to create one or two chances here and there that just didn't quite come off. And we, we were so on the front foot for that that last period of the of normal time that you know we we thought we'd we'd go and win it. And I think we felt the same in extra time. You know, we were, we were mm. certainly really positive in how we went into the game. There was. No thoughts. I mean, I think I started thinking about penalties with about five minutes to go, and that was, you know, I was like, oh my god, please no. But you know, it was uh, mm -hmm. like I say. Luckily, we, we didn't get that far, which was great. And do you think it was? I mean, when, when you've been so, the, I mean, they'd been literally went ahead in the fourteenth minute. We equalised in the seventy-six. That was a huge what in nearly an hour when you know they they were they were technically ahead. Yeah. Um, and then, like you say, that goal goes in. So they've got to think, oh, we've got to, we've got to do it all again now. Um, but I, I suppose, do you, do you think they switched off at the end? I mean, there's always that joke that, you know, that, well, it's a joke that they've that, that said that the, the, the goalkeeper substitution did confuse the, the Palace players. I don't know whether it would confuse them or not, but do you think they just turned off a little bit? I'm not sure. I think it's a lot more to do with, you know, if, if we'd have taken five more seconds to take the free kick, by that time, Steve would have probably got past the point of where he actually struck the ball and would have, as we all normally would do, they'd have gone and made a line on the 18-yard box and would have been completely in a different position. Mm. So it was, I just think it's the time that he wasn't quite in the right position. That ball landed there. There was no one within 10 yards of him, I don't think, when he hit no. it because, because no. he was literally running into a position. So he wasn't marked, you know, he wasn't stood B marked. He wasn't in that, and, you know, and, and and luckily, you know, it just worked out. The timing of him appearing in that, in that little, you know, pocket of space at the right time, it, you know, it's it's frightening how things happen. And, and like I say, you know, that was more for me why, you know, why we scored that goal. I, I I think it was down to the assist. I know the assist didn't count in those days, but let's not let's not decry the assist at all. I think the assist needs to be mentioned more and more and more. Well, I'd like to think so, but like yeah. I say, it, it wasn't a thing at the time. But and you know, I never really mentioned it much after the game, to be honest with you. But um, again, you know, look back now, I'm a, I'm a lot older, uh, not so much wiser, uh, but obviously got a lot <laughs> of more drunk. Uh, what a yeah, know, yeah, though, yeah, after yeah. what you said, yeah, but, you know, you look back at that game, and it's like I say, for me, um, you know, an ex professional, that's my finest, you know, couple of hours. So I look, I look back yeah. on it with great pride, and then also the fact that I can actually say, you know, I, I had a bit of a you know part to play in that, you know, the winning goal. So, you know, all, all good to look back at. It is all good memories, all good memories, Julian. As always, sir, you are a gentleman. Um, you're the first person to say that to me this year and we're in we're in october <laughs> yeah well i'm saying it on behalf of all the blue winds brigade <laughs> <laughs> that are down the golf club waiting to, to appear um no always a pleasure to have you on thank you so much for coming on and giving up your time thanks for being on chris i really enjoyed it thank you brilliant, brilliant. thank you very all much right. and we'll, we will no doubt speak again soon 
I'll find yeah. another match that you were included in. See you later. It won't be the Sheffield United one, I promise you. But thanks, <laughs> very thanks very much, Julian. All the best to you and your family. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, thanks to Julian. Always appreciate giving the time up um, for, for the ex-players because they don't have to. They don't they do it out of uh, the goodness of their heart. So that was the second in a series of two. Um, and um, we will be doing another one. I have got another one planned. I'm just trying to tie the, the, the ex-player down. So I don't want to say too much uh, before it comes off. But uh, thanks to Julian. Uh, we are going to be back on a Thursday um, for this. We're going to be doing Thursday. It's going to be 7.30. Uh, just a little tweak to the time um, due to sort of availability of my two co-hosts. I'll be joined by Ant from Ant's Leicester Fan TV channel. And uh, I'll be joined by Kate, the beautiful Kate. And we'll be looking back. And I've been doing all the artwork for it today. And I, I can't not have a smile on my face when I'm doing all uh, the information about this season so far. I've got, I'm like, I'm like the Cheshire cat that got the cream, if you can imagine. So we're going to be about 7.30 for that on, um, on Thursday. Um, but thank you so very, very much for joining us. Um, thank you for your comments. Thanks, Nate, for uh, uh, remembering, uh, remembering, for becoming a member again, if I want to say. <laughs> oh, that went wrong. Um, thanks to everybody else that's been in the chat. Really do appreciate it. As I always say, thanks very much. Obviously goes to Julian. And if you've been listening on your favourite podcast platform, thank you so much for lending me your ears. I will see you 7.30 on Thursday. Have a great week. No game at the weekend. So why not tune in and join in with these chats as well. And don't forget, if you've been new, please do subscribe and smash those likes. This has been LTID TV. I've been Chris. This is Arnie. Good night. Thanks for watching. These videos are tremendous. You'd better like them too or I'll be back. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. That will conclude this evening's entertainment. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.